chase It's like my dreams try to reach This pain and all this grief If you see God and you have to speak Tell him it's crazy in these streets Feel my pain and it's so deep You're on Pastor Phil Welcome to Church on the Block, real talk about hip-hop, the church, and the streets with my great co-host, Pastor Jay and Ruck Boy on Holy Culture Radio, Sears XM, Channel 154. Welcome back. That's right, 9 a.m. Central Time, 10 a.m. Eastern Time, Church on the Block, real talk about hip-hop, the church, and the streets. I know you've been waiting. I know you've been, you know, anxiously uh, seeing what's going on with, with, with our topic. What, what are we dealing with? Why can't she preach? Why can't she pastor? Yes, you've been probably uh, dealing with it from the last topic we talked about, you know, why we believe that's a significant issue to talk about and why we believe that women are and should be uh, uh, in the churches, leading the churches, pastoring church, and preaching. It is a missed opportunity of the kingdom of God. It is, it is a, it is uh, really deep consequences when that doesn't happen. We are on it, y'all. We are, we are seriously trying to confront this issue um, because of the kingdom of God is, is, is at stake in some regards, all of God's children, all who God has called uh, to be his own uh, have a certain nudge on their own heart. I believe that God will lead them to preach, to pastor, to do ministry. And if we begin to have some uh, skewed version of the text um, reading other people's mail, as we talked about last week in some deep conversation about that, um, because we're uncomfortable or because of some emotional thing that you're connected to, we hinder the move of God. So let me, let me just stop because we got a, a, a great guest on the show, but my host on the show are with us through these great theologians and practitioners. What's going on, y'all? <laughs> Yo, what's up, everybody? You know who it is. It's Pastor Jay. Super, super excited to be here with y'all. We got one of the dopest guests we ever had on yeah. here today. Y'all can't wait till y'all meet her. Yep. Yo, what's good? It's your boy, DJ Ruckus. Man, it is a beautiful Sunday morning, and I'm excited about this show. Uh, the speaker we have on is a friend of all three of ours. So, you know, just get ready for that heat that she's about to bring. <laughs> yes, and ladies and gentlemen, without any further ado, we want to introduce you, Reverend Dr. Gail Rice. Give it up, Gail. Give it up, give it up, give it up. Good morning, good morning. Yeah, good morning. Northern representing. Good morning, everyone. I, I am excited. First of all, thank you, Pastor Jay, Pastor Phil, uh, Terrence. Thank you all for inviting me. This is a subject that is close to my heart, not just because... I believe that women should preach and pastor, but because I live it every day. Um, I live it every day. Mm -hmm. I've experienced what it means to be a female out here in these preaching streets, um, interacting with mm. conservative churches and folks who engage in literal translations of the Bible um, and think that King Jimmy, I'm sorry, the King James Bible. Inspired by God. And they think there's no other translation. And because of that, we have got ourselves mm. locked in places in the church and in biblical interpretations that has, have really subjugated and silenced and moved to the margins, the demographic in the church that is about 85% that makes up 85% of the church. Um, right. Right. Cheryl Townsend Gilks wrote a book called, if it wasn't for the women, meaning mm. that if it wasn't for the women, there would be no church. Um, you'd have a bunch of hard legs True. in the church trying to make it happen. But women's ingenuity, our, our ability to raise funds, our, 
ability yeah. to imagine and, and cause programming to happen. We the ones that keep the lights on <laughs> to, to a degree. Women and, and you know, we'll go Real down talk. in our purses and give what we have to support the church. But only if we stay yeah. in a certain space. When you start talking mm. about mm. moving into the pulpit, now you out of order. Because God does not right. call right. women to preach. And it's a whole lot of reasons why. So I'll talk a little bit about my wow. story, wow. if you don't mind. Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah, please. No, please. no. Please, please, please. Share with the people that this is just not some... Um, uh, this is a passion to, to dive into this world that you just mentioned, the conservatism uh, and, and, and whether it's conservatism or just tradition um, to do that has to be a call. It is not something you're just doing as to play. I'm going to go up. I'm going to go up against these mugs it's not because the they wrong. It, exactly. Exactly. So go ahead and share your story. Share us where, where it all started sure. from and, and, the, and the journey. So I, I grew up at First Baptist Congregational Church. Um, all of you, I believe, are familiar with it. Pastor Phil, I know you are because you preached um, several times there. I was there that first time you preached. And we won't even talk about the conservatism, right? So, yeah, and, so and First Baptist was a dichotomy. Ain't been back since. They won't let me back. They, they still got one thing I said, that they won't let me go. Because he'd be cussing in the pulpit. They won't let him back. Yeah, they made him put a robe on. He, you know, he had his jeans and his sneakers on. The doc, doc made him put a robe on. So First Baptist was a dichotomy, right, of conservatism or traditionalism, but also progressivism. And the progressivism was women were being licensed and ordained to preach in the in the mid-1970s when it was absolutely a no-no in Black missionary Baptist churches, Baptist churches, right? But Dr. Griffin heard the Lord say, particularly in his his whole platform was, um, we just had Pentecost Sunday, uh, this past Sunday. Um, in these last days, I will pour out my fret, uh, spirit on all flesh. Sons and daughters will prophesy. He did not want to be held accountable for holding back the voices of women to preach the gospel and then be held accountable for those who never heard the gospel or were held back because he was participating in keeping the mouths of women shut. So it was not strange to me to see women preach growing up. Um, one of the first bad preaching women that I ever saw was the Reverend, the late Reverend Dr. Brenda Piper Little. She was a beast back in the late wow. 70s and 80s. And she was um, always welcome at First Baptist. So it wasn't strange. I, it was everyday normal for me to see women serving, women preaching, women at the table, um, serving communion. All of that was normal for me. I got called to ministry at the age of 16. 16. And from what I could see at 16, when women were called to preach back then, late 70s, 80s, all of a sudden they became different. They lost their femininity. All of a sudden they didn't wear makeup anymore. They looked very stark. Wow. Um, they wore their hair pulled back in tight buns. Um, wow. They started wearing clothes down to their ankles. It just got real spooky like to me. <laughs> 
So at 16. And that, and that was at 16. I was 16. That, that, was, that was at 16. I, I was 16. And that, wow. that was the visual image that I saw. And I heard God say preach. But I said, uh-uh. Because there is no fun in that. I cannot be Gail. Wow. So I just told God no. And I went off and did other stuff. I got mm. married. I went to college. Um, got caught up in the streets. <laughs> I did. Got caught up in the streets. Got caught up in addiction. I've been clean 30 years. Amen. Just like we ain't passing over that. So telling God no, because it just looked like something that would, it would be a ball in a chain around my ankle. I didn't see any joy in these women who were preaching. I didn't see any spark or fire. I just saw women who became somebody else. I said, no, fast forward 20 years. I begin, I go back to my undergrad because I left college in 83. I go back to college. I go to Concordia to finish my undergrad degree. I'm remarried now. I have three children now and um, I'm about to finish my undergrad in 2001. I'm looking for MBA programs. And I hear God clearly say, you're not doing that. Go to seminary. What? But all this time, I am having dreams again of seeing myself in the pulpit at First Baptist preaching. I'm starting to dream this again. I'm starting to see it again. Um, The way I began to speak, I I, I sang. You know, I, I was on the praise team. But there was something God was doing even as I began to speak in front of congregations, something was just happening. And I would see myself preaching. I couldn't sleep at night. And I finally went to Doc, Dr. Griffin and I said, I, I think I'm being called to preach. You know, we began to pray together. He said, let's pray together for the next month. Um, I came back two weeks later and said, I don't mm-hmm. have to pray anymore. I know. And he looked at me. He said, aren't you glad <laughs> that you finally said so? Said, yes. He said, I've always seen it. But I couldn't tell you you were called. God had to tell you. So Doc had seen since I was a young Mm. girl that I had been called to preach. So that began my quest. I went right to seminary um, because I didn't know how to do anything but sing. I began to get invitations to preach in other places. That's when I began to see. While you were in in seminary? While I was in seminary. I was preaching everywhere while I was in seminary. That's when I saw that the safe, incubated environment that I came up in at First Baptist as it relates to women in ministry was um, was out of the norm in Baptist churches for the most part. Women would see me at a retreat or something or a conference, and then they would invite me to their church. And then I would get to the church And I would be made to sit on the side or I would be made to preach from the floor because I could not occupy the sacred uh, desk. Right. Um, Yeah. So I started asking women when they would invite me. First, it was women's days mainly, but I preach for anything now. Get invitations for anything. Um, I started to ask, does your pastor know who I am? And when I say that, have you shared my bio with them? Because I'm not. Sister Gail Rice. I'm Reverend Gail Rice. 
Right. I'm Reverend Gail Price. Right. Does your, Say that. Does your pastor know that? <laughs> I'm licensed and I am ordained. Does your pastor know that? Because that matters. But what I found out that many people within congregations really don't know, it's the person at the top that is the gatekeeper to patriarchy, because that's what it is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Through literal yeah. readings of the Bible, Paul saying women shouldn't speak. We know that, right? The bishop is the husband of one wife, so women can't be the wives of wives. So he wasn't talking about us. And Jesus didn't have any female disciples. We could unpack that all day long. Jesus operated within the culture in which he was born in. But he elevated the status of women by including women and talking to women. And and releasing women <laughs> and, and going in spaces with women that others or the law said should not be. But they're not able to take that, um, the whole counsel of the Bible, right? And sit it within a context and ask those hard questions. Did God mean that for all time and forever? Or was that for that time and that culture? Come on, come on. One incident that happened in 19, 2019 right before the pandemic. I'm not going to call the church, but we all know the church. The church is right on the West side in Lawndale. I'll call I ain't going to tell it. <laughs> I was asked to come and preach <laughs> for their women's day. I come to their church for women's day. My husband and I, we go to the office and the pastor says, well, I just want you to know how it's going to go. I don't want the people to get uh, caught up in your position and miss your proclamation. Now, if I could cuss on here, I would cuss. I cuss too, Pastor Phil. (laughs) I don't want them to miss the proclamation because they're too busy looking at your position. So I looked over at my husband. He looked at me and I said, here we go with this. But that was what I was thinking, right? But I had no idea what was going to happen. Come on. We walk in the sanctuary And that particular church, when you left the pastor's office, you came through the back. What would people looking, it would be the front of the sanctuary, but it was the back of the choir stand. And you walked down through the choir stand to the pulpit. We walked and we got a couple steps down and he said, you sit right here. He sat me in the choir stand and he went on and he took the pulpit and there were four other men in the pulpit on women's day. So it was five men sitting in the pulpit on women's day. And I was in the choir stand and I was stunned. two of my mentees were in the audience. Women I'm mentoring in ministry. They're millennials. They ain't never seen that before. They kept asking my husband, why is Reverend Gail over there? Why, why is she up in the pulpit? Because they have never seen that before. No one came over and offered me a Yo. glass of water. No one said anything, right? So I could get text my pastor and telling him what's going on. We're going to come right back. Church on the block. Real talk about hip hop, the church and street. Finish the rest of that story. Hold on to this station, right? here. We'll be right back. Church on the block. That make it hard to Church on the Block. We'll talk about hip hop, the church, and the streets. We are back, Church on the Block. We don't want to miss a moment of what Reverend Dr. Gail Rice is speaking. Go ahead and finish that story. Break break that story down, uh, uh, Reverend Gail. Sure. So 
I was sat in the pool in, in the choir stand. I began to text my pastor and tell him what was going on. I knew he was in service and wouldn't respond back to me. I sat there and I tears began to form in my eyes. The song right before the it was time for me to preach, there was a song. One of the preachers in the pulpit got up and he took a lectern and he placed it right in the opening from the choir stand that would have there was an opening there that you walked in, onto the platform. He took a lectern and he placed it right there in front of that opening to keep me confined to the choir stand. So I said to myself, when I finish preaching, they will know a preacher has been in the house. I preached, but it was with great struggle. I was confined and I knew I was being confined because of my gender. I knew that a platform, a place, I don't care. I'll preach from the floor. I'll preach wherever because I've been called to preach the gospel and I'm not stuck on um, having the spot, right? I'm not stuck on that. But what I am um, hurt by is when it is deliberately um, denied because of my gender, right? It is. So I preached and when I sat down, I began to bawl. I began mm. to cry because mm. all that um, hurt, it began to just overflow. And I told my pastor, I said, well, I guess I text him. I said, I just took one for, for the team. I just took one for the team. And he texted me back. He said, you don't have to take anything for the team, Gail. Those Negroes ain't ready. Sorry, he said it. And it's not your job to get them ready. That's a work of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, yeah. He then called me that evening and he said, I was I was upset when you were texting me. He said, but I got angry when I saw the video and the pictures that the young lady who was with me posted on Facebook. He said, because I don't understand why he would invite you there knowing who you are. He then counseled me and said, I can't tell you where to go to preach. I can't tell you what to do. But as your pastor and the person um, whom you have submitted yourself to, I am saying to you not to go back anywhere that does not accept you as the full person, the preaching, licensed, ordained preaching woman that you are. True. And it kind of released me. So now I ask those questions. Does your pastor know who I am? Wow. Has he read my bio? Does he know? Because I, I'm not going to subject myself to that anymore because I don't have to. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So that that's that story. But I've been preaching other places where I'm the first and I know I'm the first. But the pastors are trying to break through in those places and introduce to the congregation that women do preach. So I have allies preaching brothers um, who will invite me to places that have typically traditionally said no to women and they'll get a new pastor. And that pastor wants to bring women so the congregation can start to see that women do preach. I appreciate that. I appreciate. I began to mentor women because I saw women whose voices were weak. Mm. They said they had a call, but they were weak, not just in their voices, but how they show up. They didn't have the Mm. confidence. And I began to mentor women to help them authentically 
I'm hood and holy, right? <laughs> That's why you're on this show. Which is why, which is why I began to get in trouble at my home church. Mm. I'm hood and holy. Right. I don't fit in a cookie cutter. You you know, Phil. Yeah. I don't yeah. fit in a cookie cutter. And, and, and the more I began to be invited out and the more God began to strengthen my voice and the more I began to authentically find my place in the pulpit yeah. and, and I wasn't mimicking people I had heard anymore. Cause that's what you do in the beginning. Cause you don't yeah. know. I wasn't sounding like other people, but I was finding my own voice. Yeah. Right. Which yeah. meant I showed up in a way that was Gail. Mm-hmm. God called all of me. The hood right. part of me and the holy part of me. <laughs> and all of that came in the pulpit with me. I know how to, you know, I know how to show up like I'm supposed to show up in certain spaces and places. I'm not cookie cutter. I can't right. fit in. I don't fit. Yeah. I don't fit. Right. And it was time to go because I was getting in trouble. Right. And I had to find somewhere that I could be who I am. So th- those are layers. Like th- right. Those are layers. Those are layers, Gail. It's like <clears throat> one layer from one perspective of a pastor, okay, is a, is a, is a woman preaching um, that has to be overcome and a, and a woman's own call and tenacity, right? Tenacity of faith to know this ain't on you, this ain't on me. I cannot not do this. God's called me to do this. And the, there, there will be, and then you add the layer of being hood and holy, which may be okay, quote unquote, a pastor who's even welcoming women preaching, uh, that maybe like okay, that's for more of a man to say, right? Like like in, in that kind of a yeah, right. in that kind right. of a. I am. Holy. I grew up on Warren, California. I grew up right yeah. in the hood, right, and I was shaped and formed by the hood. Yeah. While I was going to church, right, I lived there. I I know how to be all on point too. <laughs> I can do that. I can show up like I'm supposed to show up, but in those moments when I am communicating the gospel. And I know the issues and the people who are sitting in the pulpit. I need right. to be able to communicate in a way that people are can understand and grab hold of right. the gospel. Yeah. And I know how to transform and I know how to go in and out of spaces like I'm supposed to supposed to and like I should. Was, um, there, was, there, was there ever a time when you were asked to preach at a place and you got there and you just left or they something happened and and and. And, you know, I don't know. So you just said, I'm, I'm not going to There was one it. time I was very close to leaving. I was very wow. close to leaving. I was on the south side somewhere. And I was asked to sit over to the side. And the pastor was not there for the whole service. He came in while I was preaching from the side lectern. He sat in the mm. middle chair in the pulpit, typical Baptist. And when they asked me to sit over to the side, my husband looked at me from the audience and he said, let's go. Let's go. Wow. <laughs> he said, let's wow. go. That was the first time. That was before this extreme instance. But yeah, my husband yeah. was ready for me to go. He was yeah. like, let's go. And I said, no, I'm going to go on and finish. But I was very close to it. But after wow. I got finished preaching, that pastor got up behind me and, <laughs> you know, uh-huh. and all of that hooping behind me Wow. for about five, six, seven, eight minutes. Wow. Oh, good preacher to make you want to preach. And, you know, I, I was cussing in my head like, Negro, right. please. Are you kidding right. me? Um, so he had to he had to he had to shift it away from the fact that I was the word bearer. That's right. Yeah. I was the one who brought the word. The people were rejoicing. 
The people gladly received the word, but he Mm -hmm. had to get up and shift that away from the fact that it was a female in his church that did that. And he had to grab hold to a phrase that I said or something that I said and carry it on and go on and preach and preach for 10 minutes after me. Right. Yeah. Right. Oh, girl, this is whew, this is I'm 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 trying not to talk at all. You're killing this. Yo, like <laughs> earlier in your story earlier, you talked about uh, the young ladies who were um, there, like as you were mentoring and, and how confused they were. Um, in our last show, we talked a lot about like the implications um, on younger generations, on uh, future uh, strong female leaders. Um, and preachers and pastors and, and the implications on them when they have to witness yes. uh, women marginalized just for their gender, right? It's ridiculous, right? Um, what would you say um, would be the greatest uh, benefit and harm uh, to the next generation when, when they have to view or see or um, or endure those things, especially if they're not expecting it. Like they've been rolling with you all the time. Then all of a sudden you go into space and they're like, what is this? So Gen X, Gen Y, not Gen X, but Gen Y, Gen Z, they didn't grow up in church like we did, right? We came to church regardless. We We came because our parents made us come and we almost accepted face value what was being taught to us. I did at least up to a certain point when I began to question and things just didn't make sense anymore. This generation or these generations, the kids from these generations, young adults, they're not accepting mess and and just us um, giving them and telling them accept it because that's what the Bible says. They want to see how the Bible What are you doing with what you're teaching, right? They want to see what you're doing in the streets. They want to see how you're addressing the social issues. So when they see people being excluded or a woman being excluded or any demographic, right, being excluded in the church, they don't accept that and they don't stay. They leave. Or for some women, if it's a woman, they will leave an organized, institutionalized church And that's why you get all these out here ministries that women are leading because they didn't find a place in the church. And what I was very convinced of was that I was called to the church. Mm. I'll do parachurch ministry. I'll start a ministry. I have done that. But I am called to the church, which means I can't leave the church because I am called to the church as the vehicle as the institution through which God has used me and my voice to share the gospel, but also to be an example in the church that women do preach. We don't have to preach like men. I can still wear my lipstick. I can listen. I, Sunday I preached. I had on some shoes so hot. All the women in church were asking me where you get them shoes from. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I, I said that to stay. I don't have to put ugly drab shoes on. I can. I will wear red. Yes, ma'am. Shoes, because there was a time red was associated with being a Jezebel. So we didn't wear red shoes. We didn't wear red lipstick. And I just, 
One Sunday, I showed up at First Baptist with some red shoes on, with some red lipstick on. I think I had colored my hair. And <laughs> and all the preachers were looking at me like, ooh. <laughs> I'm, I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that with you all anymore. That's right. Yeah. That's I'm right. not doing that with you all anymore. I'm going to be who I am. Yeah. So there were 45 preachers in my church, and half of them were women. About 25 of them were women. Wow. And because ooh. about 25 were women, so unfortunately, that was a dynamic in and of itself because I came up in there like a like, hey, what's like, going yeah. on? <laughs> you know, yeah. show me how y'all doing this. And then when I saw how they were doing it, I was like, oh, yeah, no, I can't do that. <laughs> so I began to reach out and look for networks of other preaching women. And I was invited in 2005 to the Women in Ministry Conference in Atlanta, Reverend Dr. Cynthia Hale. She did an inaugural conference for women in ministry. And I saw about 500 black women Mm -hmm. from across the country who were pastoring, who were preaching. They were chaplains. It was the whole full spectrum, not just women in the church, but they were pastors. They were preachers. They were they were chaplains. They were in the army being army chaplains. I saw women in ministry. I saw the spectrum and the full range of black women in ministry. And it blew my mind. It was the first time I heard Reverend Dr. Gina Stewart preach. And she preached a sermon that I still remember from 2005, Luke 2, I Can Produce, where she talked about Elizabeth and Mary. And that thing spoke to me. I was three years in, still in seminary. I can produce. I heard another woman pour into me and tell me, you can produce. And I left that place. And I go back every year since 2005. I've never missed it. So I built a network of Mm. preachers. I've met, I have sat and had dinner with Renita Weems. Last summer, I went in in Atlanta, had dinner with uh, Renita Weems. Had dinner with Will Gaffney. Had yeah. dinner with Reverend Dr. Valerie Bridgman. Yeah. Had dinner with Gina Stewart. Mm. Have dinner with um, Cynthia Hale. Have dinner with Claudette Copeland. Have dinner with Jessica Ingram. Have dinner with all these people, these women that I sit at their feet and I learned how to endure. Because they had done it before me. Mm. I just mm. didn't know it. Yeah. Gail, let me ask I you. Not let, seen me, these. let me ask you, Gail. When somebody says... Okay, I'm on the fence, man, women preaching and pastoring. Theologically, what is it that you would say to them? And 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 and, and like like and, 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 and this is a person maybe who's like on the fence, not somebody who's anti, they just don't know. Maybe traditions got them locked, maybe they've had congregational issues, but they really want to open it up. What would you say? I mean, we know where the scriptures are. We read some of them last time on our last show, but but from your help them have theological language. Help somebody have some theological language. From, from from your history, your story, your, your experience? First of all, I would ask them, are they open to hearing something beyond their Sunday school interpretation of the Bible? <laughs> yeah. Are you open to see that your literal interpretation, you need to move yourself beyond a literal ter- interpretation? Let's go back to the beginning where God created male and female in God's image and in God's likeness. And God gave dominion to male and female, right? Then sin comes. We lose that image or it becomes distorted. 
Jesus comes and restores. Come on. Right? But somehow women got left out of that. <laughs> Gail. <laughs> Yo, you know, that's, we're going to wrap up. We're going to pause right there. Oh, that was juicy. How did women get left out of the restoration? That's crazy. Yo, church on the block. Real talk about hip hop and church and street. Hold on with it. Hold on right there. Be right back. Holy Culture Radio. Healing, hope, and how to lose. Church on the block. You know how we do. Real talk about hip hop, the church, and the streets, man. And we are here talking real talk about why can't she preach? Why can't she pastor with one of the greatest pastors in Chicago, Reverend Dr. Gail Rice? Gail, break down what you were just saying. Now, we stopped you because it was so doggone juicy, man. We want other pastors, leaders, and even women who feel called to ministry hear these great words from this great theologian uh, and practitioner. Uh, holy and hood at the same time. Break it down. You're talking about about the about, about being restored, and Christ brings restoration. Yes. The, Im- the image of God, God created male and female in God's image and God's likeness. There was no ambiguity between that, right? There was no male right. created different, female. We were both created in God's image and God's likeness. Sin comes, sin disrupts that. Sin comes, and we lose that place. Jesus Christ comes and restores the image. Of God brings salvation, and it. Jesus, uh, Colossians says that Jesus is the image of God. He's the expressed image of God. So, if we want to know what it looks like to express who God is in the earth, we look to Christ and Christ's way of living and being. If we look at the the way Christ lived and the way Christ uh, acted on earth, we would see that Jesus interacted with women and elevated women. However, we get stuck over in Paul's epistles, right? Folks don't look at how what Jesus did. All they want to see is that Jesus died on the cross for our sins, rather than dissecting and really looking at the ministry of Jesus, which he announced in Luke 4. The spirit of the Lord is upon me to preach the gospel, good news, yeah. bring it to poor and whomever. Jesus outlined his ministry in Luke 4. Yeah. But we look at Paul. Yes. And Paul said that women are the image of that, that men or man is the image of God and woman is the image of man. That ain't what God created in Genesis. Right, right, right. So it made it as though women do not reflect the image of God. And when women don't reflect the Mm. image of God, it puts us it others us. We're something else. True. We're not a bearer and, of and, the image of God. And it sets us up to be wow. marginalized, to be treated, uh, to be silenced, to be to be uh, subjugated, all those words. It sets women up for Man. that. So how do Man. we negate biblical interpretation that marginalizes women? Now, if you look at Paul, just Man. like any of us, Paul's theology was progressive. He started out one thing. And if you continue to read Paul, Paul's theology evolved as well. It's why he can come up with there's neither Jew nor Greek, male nor females, mm-hmm. bond nor free, but we're mm-hmm. all one in Christ. So for women, those of us who are called, we grab hold of that Galatians 
There's neither Jew nor Greek, male nor female, bond nor free. And we grab hold of Acts 2 and Joel 2. And that is what fuels us in ministry and gives us the authority and the authorization to preach. Now, when they say women should be silent, we need to be able to, I would tell someone, let's dissect that passage of scripture. Let's look at that. And we need to do some really critical um, interpretation or critical reading of that text to find out, was Paul talking about a specific incident? Was that forever and all time for all churches? The incident that took place in Corinthians where he said, be silent, that doesn't happen in churches today where women are shouting across the room, trying to understand what's going on and asking questions across the room during worship. That was what was happening. And Paul said, look, save your questions and ask your husband when you get home. Did Paul mean we should never talk? We should never speak? Because if that's the case, right. we shouldn't sing in no choirs. <laughs> if we should be silent, <laughs> you should hear no female voice in the church then. We shouldn't be reading announcements in the church. We should read announcements. Yes, that's I'm, where we're going to put women right. reading the announcements. I'm just saying we should not, if that is if that's the plumb line, right? If that's the 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 the, the base, you should never hear a female's voice in the church then. Why is mm-hmm. it confined only to the pulpit? Because the pulpit is power. It's power. Exactly. And men exactly. protect yeah. power, or True. those who are in power will protect right. their power. That's right. And it's patriarchy in the church. And that's it. Right. That, 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 that's the crust of it right there. It's protecting that's power the crust of it right there. I mean, man. Yeah. We don't want to, they don't want to yeah. share power. Have you ever preached? Go ahead. Have, have, have you ever preached where <laughs> when you preach sermon about women preaching? Like, like, you know what I mean? Like, like, like in a, in a church I have not. that is not for women preaching. I have not. <laughs> I have not. I release you right now. <laughs> Do that. I have, I know what, you know, if, not in a church, but at conferences, <laughs> a women's conferences mm-hmm. or retreats I have, but not in a church. Yeah. So I, again, I know how to follow protocol. When I go into church and I'm a guest preacher, I know okay. I'm there to yeah. encourage the people to lift the people up. Uh, and it's not my job to get the house, somebody else's house. Right. <laughs> right. Right. Mm-mm. Right. Now, what, what would you say? You know, the other women preachers that have helped you along your journey. I really appreciate the conference that you go to and have been at. Um, and, and, and that's powerful. <clears throat> um, but as young women, uh, listening to this, um, uh, others who are in that quandary, they're called to preach, they're in the local church and the situation is challenging for them to really be loose. Um, and they may be, like you say, mimicking a, a male type of preaching. Yep. What would you say has helped you? You've already said some nuggets uh, before, but um, giving folks some 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 strategy around. And then and then I want to go back um, some more. But go ahead. Just having images of other women preachers. Yes, you were called in your congregation. Mm-hmm. Yes, you were called to ministry right there. If you happen to be the only woman, or you know maybe one or two. First, come hang out with me, number one, if you want to. Number two, come hang out with me at the Women in Ministry Conference. It gives you a model, gets you a network of women preachers, a sisterhood. The thing for us, for women, we have to create those spaces because sadly, 
we don't have them. You have the Baptist Ministers Conference in vicinity or whatever they call it. And you have the Southside Brethren and you have this. Mm -hmm. There is a place for the brothers already. When we leave seminary, many of us don't leave with a call. We don't leave with a place. Mm. We don't leave with a church. We don't leave with an assignment. We've been in this environment that has supported us and built us up in ministry. And then you graduate and then there's nothing. We don't walk right into churches like brothers do. Have you seen any Pastor Jay where women leave seminary and just walk into it? They are called to a congregation and they become pastor of the congregation or executive pastor or associate pastor, whatever. I happen to already be serving that way. So I didn't have that dilemma, but most women, they walk and they fall off when they leave seminary. That's right. Because there is nothing for them. So I try to create a network for women preachers, a safe space for women to get to know each other, to share resources, um, to create platforms, to, for them to strengthen their voices. Cause if they are serving in the church, they don't get many opportunities to preach. So to create opportunities for women to do that, to support them, um, give them a network. And hopefully through the network, as I did, you will start to make connections with people. I almost left the Baptist church. I almost became AME. I almost became UCC because women move in those denominations, right? Right, right, right. Women move in those denominations. I was, I went through the whole process with the UCC church and got almost to the point of ordination Mm. and then decided I didn't want to, that my, my theology and my theological outlook, I'm not going to alter it for, (laughs) I'm not going to alter it for denomination. I believe in the black church. Good. Yeah. Yeah. I was shaped in the black yeah. church. Yeah. I love the black church. <laughs> had flaws and all. Yeah. And I would have had to be somebody yeah. totally rethink my theological outlook about the church. And I wasn't not prepared to do that. So I decided to yeah. stay yeah. in the Baptist church and fight the good fight. Mm-hmm. That's, that's, that's yeah, powerful. That's, that's, no, it, and I think, you know, hearing you say that, um, I feel some conviction on my end um, as somebody who completely affirms women in ministry, women preachers, we, women pastors. Like um, I've always had more uh, before I came along there. I'd always had more female uh, pastors on my roster than I did males um, and hopefully going to build that back up again. But I think the question becomes for me now, as I listen to you, as a brother in ministry, as a, as a, as a brother doing this, in what ways can we better, um, support, uh, the allies, uh, in this work to make sure our sisters, you know, feel affirmed. I want, I don't want to feel patronizing in any way, you know, uh, but truly supportive. So just think of if us, you have any. think of us when you're doing your programming, think of us when you're inviting preachers, think of us. I have to tell, I had to, <laughs> call a preacher friend of mine. Um, They were having their anniversary. I said, I don't see one female on that flyer. You can't say you support women and you don't even slot a woman in one slot of your five day anniversary. Come on, brother. So I, I will, I don't want to use the word check, but I will call and say, you need next time. Think, think of us, include us. Maybe purposely, Pastor Jay, at some point, 
So I came to freedom because freedom didn't have a strong female pastoral minister. Dr. Smith brought me there for that reason to visibly show. He had, there were women ministers, but, um, you know, they were doing what they, I, I you know, I don't, I don't have anything to say there, but he wanted a strong female presence to show and to affirm that women aren't just the children's church leader. Yes. That, <laughs> you know, we're not just in children's church. Women preach, women pastor, women serve, and it can be done alongside men. So let me tell you, our greatest roadblock are not men. It's other women. It's other women who don't believe, who are indoctrinated that women should be first Mm. ladies or stay in our choir stay in the choir in your spot in the choir or be in children's church. Mm. It's other women. And it's, I can say, right. Because they think that if you're serving in the pulpit alongside their husbands, you want their husbands. Yeah. Yeah. Or if you want to preach, it's two, two things for women. You either, you either want the pastor or you gay or less. Wow. Which is why I'm very clear that when people see me preach, they're going to see my femininity mm-hmm. as well. They're going to see my cute shoes. They mm-hmm. might see, they're going to see makeup. They're going to see mm-hmm. a woman, not a woman who's afraid mm-hmm. to be a woman. Mm-hmm. Understood. Understood. Exactly. So think of exactly. us. Think exactly. of us. Include Thank us. Thank you. No, that's good. That's good. Invite women. Invite women. Ruckus had a question. Ruckus. Actually, Phil already asked my question. (laughs) I was salty with you. So so here's what we're going to do. Gail, can you tell us and tell the people for for any young woman out there that that, that is looking for mentorship, how can the people get in touch with you? Absolutely. So if there's a woman, I don't, you know, if you're a young woman, even older women, because I am mentoring a a 65 year old woman who sat on her call for Mm. 35 years and she just accepted her call at 65. So I am mentoring her through that young, not so young, whomever. If you want to mentor, if you want to connect with me or be in contact with me to talk about ministry, to help you navigate through ministry, to help you figure out what ministry looks like for you, you can contact me at gailrice62 at att.net. That's the easiest way to contact me right now. And I will answer, I will respond, and we can set something up and we can talk about what it means to be, to have this holy and wonderful call. Because it is a privilege and an honor to be called by God to share the gospel of Jesus Christ, regardless of all the roadblocks that are in front of us, regardless of what folks say as it relates to women. You have to be able to navigate that and be sure within yourself that God called you to preach, to pastor, to serve. And if you need somebody to help you do that, I am happy to do so. That's good. That's good. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Dropping bars. You know, it reminds me of a story in this uh, dialogue today. Um, there was a, 
a guy came to a church uh, with a country and Western outfit on and um, just come to church, want to go to church and, and um, sat right in the front and all the congregation was buzzing. Like, why does this guy got this country and Western boots with spurs on and cowboy hat and everything and just enjoyed himself at service um, was leaving. Uh, but the congregation leaders had talked to the pastor, pastor, can you talk to this guy? Because he got this country and Western suit on. I don't know if he's going to come back on, you know, somebody got to talk to him about what he's wearing to church. So the pastor caught the guy at the end of the service and said, hey, brother, thanks for coming. You know, um, welcome back anytime. But I need to ask you, um, you know, you plan to come back? He said, oh, man, I'm planning to come back. He said, look, can you do me a favor? Can you pray and ask God what you should wear the next time you come uh, to church? And um, he said, weird, but OK, I'll do that. Come back the next Sunday. Same gear on, same gear on the church. Leaders up in an uproar, frustrated. Pastor, did you tell him? Yeah, I told him, but why is he doing this? I don't know why he's wearing the same stuff. So again, after church, the pastor saw him and said, Pastor, uh, brother, um, you know, I know you came last week and I asked you to pray about, you know, what God would have you to wear at church. And um, you know, did you pray about it? He said, you know, I did pray about it. But God said, I don't know what to wear because I never been to that church. <laughs> we serve a God that wants all of us, what you wear, who preaches, who doesn't preach. We need to be a, about a, a, a kingdom that represents that, representing the kingdom of God, meeting people right where they are, to take them God having to be, not adjusting your particular theological perspective to squash that as God is moving. You may be squashing a whole revival. Yo, this is Pastor Phil with DJ Ruckus, Pastor Jay, Reverend Dr. Gail Rice. Been a blessing. We'll have you back on. Um, maybe have some sermons. We want some sermons in there too. Yo, be with us next week as we keep talking about can she preach? Why can't she preach? Why can't she pass? Yo, we out. Thank you for listening to Church on the Block. Real talk about hip-hop, the church, and the streets. Back here next week, same time, same channel, Holy Culture Radio, Sirius XM Channel 154. Come with us. Holy Culture Radio is operated by the CoreLink Solution, a 501c ministry dedicated to empowering people to reach their potential. If you feel led to contribute to this mission, visit www.holyculture.net slash donations.